ready to go in three, two, one. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Happy Hour with Louis Q. I am your host. Uh, this episode is brought to you by absolutely no one, but I appreciate you guys being here and listening and tuning into my show. Uh, we do have a lot of new subscribers, followers, whatnot on uh, Instagram and Facebook, so I appreciate that. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, make sure you give us a subscribe to stay up to date on whenever I drop new uh, podcasts. Um, so Father's Day was a couple days ago already. Uh, I wanted to record the day after, but decided to kind of relax a little bit. I did go on vacation. I went to Florida, so I'll talk about that you know for a little bit and just how different Florida was and versus Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and we'll talk about that. But uh, Father's Day, you know, we had a really slow start. I I personally thought that it was going to be a bust. And then maybe like around 12.30-ish, we just we, we got a pop and we just didn't stop, which was great for us. Um, we actually beat our sales from last year, even though we had half the tables, um, which was great. A bulk of that was from to-go. So we where we normally did, I think last year we did... I don't even I don't even know how much we did, but we like tripled our to go sales for Father's Day from last year, and that's what got us over the hump and helped us uh, beat last year's sales. So, like I said in the last couple of podcasts, to go is still going to be a very very important factor in how we're operating and running our restaurants, right? So, God forbid something should happen, we do we can fall back on that to go system that we have in place. That only happens. If you have a strong to-go staff ready to go, we're not making mistakes on all of our to-go orders because remember, repeat repeat guests are super important right now. So we got really lucky. To-go got absolutely rocked, but we held in there. We made sure that every single you know order went out correctly. We didn't have any callbacks for Father's Day, so that was amazing on our part. Uh, I think our guests really appreciate that if we can operate at a high level on those on these super high volume days, then you know, we're going to earn that business from them. So I don't see to-go slowing down anytime soon. Uh, we're only adding to our to-go program. So that's where we normally used to have only one to-go server in the morning and nighttime. We're now adding three, four, five sometimes on some of these shifts, which is great for us. Great for the service. It's a great problem to have. Um, you know, as stressful as it might be to have all these positions staffed, it's a good problem to have, you know, where a lot of restaurants right now are struggling uh, we're, we're not doing too bad, so can't complain there. But I decided, me and my girl went and uh, took a little mini vacation to Pensacola Beach, Florida. Uh, you know, we just uh, decided it was time to go on a mini vacation after all this COVID uh, shenanigans and whatnot. So I went to Florida for three days, and I was really surprised and really shocked. But I can also see why a lot of the cases are going up. Uh, this is not a political podcast. This is just a restaurant management podcast. We will only talk restaurant management, uh, so we won't get into any like the the politics here. But I was well. One, you know, you, you turn on the news and you hear a lot about how Georgia's handling uh, the COVID nineteen crisis and about how we open restaurants up too early and how we're not doing things correctly. We're just endangering our people. You got places like California who are being a little more extreme as far as. Uh, their restaurants reopening, 
New York City and whatnot. So to see a perspective outside of Atlanta was really nice to see. Um, not to get political again, but I do think after seeing what's, you know, at least Pensacola, Pensacola doesn't speak for all of Florida. So don't get upset with me that I'm talking trash. I am a Florida boy. You know, I lived there till I was 13 years old, born and raised. But now, you know, I've been living in Georgia longer than I had in Florida. So I'm a Georgia boy now. But I think we're doing a great job here in Atlanta, uh, social distancing wise, sanitation wise, uh, the awareness of not just the restaurant staff, but our guests as well, the awareness of the people that live in these cities. Uh, they're not being careless. You know, so in Atlanta, anywhere you go, you're going to see, I'd say, a good majority of the people wearing masks, whether you're going to Target, whether you're going to a restaurant, whether you're going to a gas station, there's people around wearing masks. So I really appreciate that. We know at least for a state that's endangering their people, quote unquote, you know, by opening up too early and doing all this extra stuff. I think that we're silencing a lot of our critics in the way that we're doing things and and in our approach of how we're handling situations. So that's pretty awesome to see, you know, that, that Georgia is at least doing a lot more than most places are doing, or at least a lot more than they're saying that we're doing, right? Um, so we went to Florida, Pensacola Beach, Beach Town, you know, their primary source of uh, of income and of and of you know flow is tourists. Um, none of the places there had masks. Nobody was wearing masks, which is really crazy to see. We went to about I think we went to four bars, one restaurant. And we went to Hooters to get some chicken wings. The girls at Hooters had masks on. They had gloves on. But every single local bar that we went to, every single local restaurant that we went to, nobody had a mask on. Uh, No one had gloves on, which I don't really think gloves do make a difference. You know, there's every surface you're touching as a server, every surface you're touching as a a front of house staff, you're contaminating, cross-contaminating. So you're you're better off just not wearing gloves, washing your hands, sanitizing your hands consistently to where your hands turn look like mine and they're all dried out and and ugly and ashy. Um, But yeah, Florida. I was really surprised. We sat at one of the bars and I I chit-chatted with the bartender and just kind of asked him how you know, business had been on the island or, you know, in Pensacola where they were, we were at. And, you know, he told me at first it was kind of rough, but once they opened up, everybody really wanted to come back out. Uh, people didn't really seem to care. His, you know, his words were, it's Florida, man. Like, you know, we don't really care. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. So a little alarming. Uh, so when we went to the bar, it was a Tuesday night. It was empty, uh, for the first like 20 minutes that we were there. So it, it was nice, you know. We weren't wearing a mask. Uh, we were just out enjoying ourselves. We were kind of in the back of the the bar, so we, you know, last seat around us. So there's only two chairs around us, so no one could really be in our space. But about an hour in, it started to get really packed, and the more people that walked in, the more we noticed that no one was really practicing social distancing. The 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 bar top wasn't spaced out, uh, so we left. We went to a bar that had a patio, so we sat outside. We Found somewhere that we would be still away from people. Um, found a spot that we could still be away from people and still enjoy ourselves, listen to some music. So I wanted to make sure that we still had a great experience, you know, because we did get, you know, we did go there to escape 
uh, or I went to escape the the restaurant a little bit and just kind of the craziness of what's been going on and you know the amount of hours we've been working and you know it was nice to take my girl out and we could enjoy ourselves. So we went to another bar. I think it was called Savelle. It was a huge bar. Um, none of the bartenders had masks on again, um, but the uh, the bouncers did. And I think you know. I don't know the the whole uh, logistics and whatnot of it, but or the, not the logistics, the the rules. But it seemed to me like if you wanted to wear a mask, you wore the mask. If you didn't want to wear the mask, you didn't have to wear the mask. They weren't going to enforce it that much. Uh, I don't expect you to wear a mask on the beach. I didn't wear a mask the entire time that I was there as a tourist, so I cannot judge anyone in the state of Florida. But what I can do and judge is how I saw the restaurants handling the situation and you know what, whether they believed it was a bunch of nonsense or not. I got to see firsthand how other places outside of my own city were handling the COVID-19 case. And with that being said, I think Atlanta is knocking it out of the park. Um, every restaurant that I've been to in the city of Atlanta and on the outskirts of it are all practicing social distancing. Um, their tables are being spaced out so that their guests feel safe. The wait staff is is being in a, put in a position to where they feel safe to be at work. I haven't really seen anything crazy going on. No one's really um, complaining that much. It does suck having to wear those masks at work, but I, I think that the general population, at least in the Atlanta area, realizes that it is being done for a reason. It is being done for you know our safety. Whereas in Florida, I just got the vibe that it was, uh, you know, f that. We're gonna do what we want to do. We don't have to wear the mask. It's not that big of a deal. And what I did notice, uh, you know, they they say COVID nineteen affects the elderly a lot more. It was crazy to me to see older people being the ones that didn't really give a damn about the coronavirus. You know, we got to eavesdrop on some conversations at the bar and, you know, in, in Florida. And I, I overheard a, a older couple, probably had to be in their like 50s, just talking about it. And they were joking around with the bartender about, oh, you know, we're not, we're not wearing our masks. We're not doing this. And I'm just like, God, dude, like, come on, man. Like, even if you don't believe it's, it's real, what happens if you do get it? Then you're screwed because now you've just been making a big joke out of it, right? I, I believe in karma. Karma's going to come back and bite you right in the ass, right? So it was really interesting to see how at least some of the people, and I can't speak for all the people in Pensacola, so if you're from Pensacola, Florida, and you're really angry at me right now talking trash about your uh, little city, I'm so sorry, but this is just what I observed. Um, so yeah, it was just crazy how, how the, this Beats Town approached it versus you know somewhere like atlanta now the tourism is a lot different you know in atlanta versus pensacola and um it is a lot hotter you know so maybe people just don't want to wear the mask because in florida it was humid it was nasty it was hot atlanta's hot too it's a dry hot um but at least it's good to see that that we're that we're doing something special here in atlanta and that at least our city is could be a beacon for the whole South and um, showing everybody how it's done. So I really appreciate that, uh, Governor Kemp and our uh, mayor, Keisha, 
for doing everything correctly and uh, just making sure that we're being safe. So I appreciate that versus Florida. If you're watching the video version uh, of this podcast, I have two cats and a dog and sometimes they like to jump in and take some of the spotlight. So, oh man. Anyways, so I wanted to talk about specifically a couple things uh, in, in this episode. Uh, one being the difficulty of guests during this pandemic, and specifically at the host stand. Um, a lot of the people that have been coming to the restaurant are 100% understanding as far as why our wait time is the way it is, uh, why some tables are empty versus, you know, we're not using these two booths, why, why can't I sit there, or how come you only have 12 bar tops available, um, or how come the patio is not open, or how come you don't have this going on? A lot of our guests are very, very understanding, and it's awesome to see that. But you do get those guests who come in and they, you know, they're upset at the wait time. They're upset, you know, that we're not getting seated as fast as possible. They're upset because they're now having to wait outside in the heat versus inside in the restaurant in the bar area, where like they're accustomed to. Um, and they're taking it out, you know, mostly not on the managers. But they're taking it out on, on the host stand. Now, for our restaurant, most of our hostesses are under the age of 18. They're young high school girls who are just looking for a, a job to make some extra cash before they go off to college or to make some cash to buy some that purse they really want or to be able to go out to the movies or, or whatnot. Um, so they're just there to make a little extra cash and to learn a little bit, right? They don't need to, they, they shouldn't have to deal with an angry, uh, grown man or woman yelling at them and cussing them out because they are hungry and uh, they're upset about something the hostess has no control over. It's not the hostess's fault that we have less tables. Believe me, the, those girls would love to get you sat, uh, whether it's to get you out of their face or just to make sure that they can go home early, right? Because the faster off of weight, the faster some of them get to go home. I know when I was 17 years old, all I was thinking about was, dang, I'm already here, but I'm ready to go. I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go to the movies. I want to go do this and that. So their head's in a different space. So one, you have to make sure that you've done your job as a manager to get these 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, or you know, if, if your host stand is, is full of uh, young kids, it's your job to make sure that you've prepared them mentally to be able to handle these high-stress situations because having somebody yelling at you consistently throughout the day if you're on a long wait over and over and over again gets very tiring for a 27-year-old manager. I can only imagine the amount of stress that it puts a 16, 17-year-old girl through. Um, so you have to make sure that one, whoever you have up there is strong mentally. And if they're not strong mentally to be able to handle, you know, the, the constant yelling from, from the guests that, that you at least are in position to be able to support them at any given moment, right? So you can't hide as a manager. Oh my goodness. We're on an hour and a half wait. Uh, let me go hide in the back and pretend to bust some tables. No, you should be up there in the front with your team, uh, making sure that if the, should the guest be really upset 
And should the guests want somebody to just unleash onto, you're the one that they're doing it to, not your host stand, right? You're the manager. You're trained to handle these situations. You're trained to de-escalate these situations, right? Because nine times, eight times out of ten, these people are angry. Our guests are angry, not at you. They're angry not because uh, they think it's ridiculous that you only have this amount of tables, right? They're angry because they're hungry. And that's granted. We're, we're all a little hangry sometimes. So it should be in your best interest to make sure that, one, you get ahead of the situation to make sure that, okay, I know I got these three names waiting. These guys are about to hit over their quote. Let me go talk to them real quick so that they don't come asking questions. Hey, you told me 15, 20-minute wait. It's been 30. What's going on? It's your job as the manager, especially if you're in that, you know, the if, if you're, in charge of the host in during your shift, it's really important that you get up there with your, you know, with your team and you you identify, okay, these three names right now are about to hit their quote time or they're about to go over their quote time. Uh, let me go find them. So, okay, hey, Mr. Johnson, uh, so sorry that you're waiting. Um, I have a table for you. We're just waiting for it to get up. Um, should be any more than five minutes. I'm so sorry for your wait. You know, be empathetic. Get ahead of the situation before they come and yell at, yell at you because then it tells the guest, okay, even though we're having to wait a little bit longer, they haven't forgotten about me because I think a lot of the times when you go up to the host stand, you just want to make sure that these guys haven't skipped you yet. You want to make sure that you know your name is still on that list and that you're still going to get called. So if you have a hostess up there, they're the only ones I'm talking to. They're the only ones I'm communicating with. So of course, if things aren't going the way that I want them to, I'm going to uh, be a little more aggressive towards those hostesses or ho- you know, hosts if you have a male host. Uh, so it's really important as the manager to make sure that you're in position up at the front, uh, especially with us because we do have young girls up there, to make sure that you know, should someone get upset, they're taking their frustrations out on you, the manager, and not the host, Dan. Um, my favorite one to hear is, is this is ridiculous. You know, you don't have enough tables in this restaurant. Uh, you know, the, the, this, this pandemic is a fluke and you guys are playing into all this. Uh, to those people, I say, do you really think, I don't say this to them, but, but in my head I'm thinking, do you really think that I want to have less tables in this restaurant? I'm trying to run a business. Less seats, less tables means less money, uh, which is not good for me, right? Especially when we're talking, you know, sales and, 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 you know, you wanting bonuses and whatnot. The less money the restaurant and the less money the company has available, the less money I'm going to make, the less bonuses that I'm going to get, right? So I don't really want to have less tables. I want to get off of this weight as fast as possible so that I can start transitioning into the next phase of uh, the shift, right? So I think it's always crazy when people, uh, at least the people that have said it so far, like, man, you don't want to, you know, this is crazy. You have less tables, ma'am or sir. You think I want this? You think I want to see my bar with 12 bar stools when I know I can fit 10 to 15 more stools up there and I can probably squeeze more money out of all of you, you know, all of our guests, but I can't. You know, right now we're in a bind. We have to we we have to put our foot down and we have to say, okay, the safety of our guests, the safety of our employees, the safety of our of the restaurant is more important than uh having a full, you know, full restaurant at max capacity and endangering, you know, everybody's lives. So 
it sucks. It really does suck. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was crazy. And then, you know, right now it's a really troubling time. It, it, it's a very sensitive time. Right now there's a lot of uh, issues with, especially in Atlanta, you know, being uh, Atlanta. Um, a, lot of, a lot of racial tensions going on, right? So I never thought that I'd have to ever hear this or ever see this, but you're starting, at least for the first couple of days that all these protests were going on, um, everyone's, t- you know, everyone's on edge. Everyone was nervous. People were scared. Um, we had guests coming in, and, and this is absolutely crazy. We had white guests coming in telling us that they felt that we were skipping their tables because they were white, and we sat African-American tables over them. And then, you know, you had the, the flip side, uh, African-American tables saying that we were seeing the white tables ahead of them, um, which wasn't the case, absolutely not, right? But it, it, was, it was very troubling and really sad to hear that. Uh, so on top of all that, our hostesses are now having to deal with uh, tensions, racial tensions that aren't, had nothing to do with them. You know, they, they weren't, they had nothing to do with what's going on, right? They're not even old enough to vote yet, but they're getting yelled at uh, by frustrated guests. So I think right now more than ever, it's really important to be up there with your team uh, tackling our guests as quickly as possible. Being in position to de-escalate the situation uh, as quickly as possible is super important right now as that front of house manager. Um, I'm very big on making sure you know when I'm working the front, and I'm I'm in the front house, and I have the host stand. I make it a big big deal uh, to know when our guests are five minutes from their wait time, especially if they're larger parties, because if it's five minutes within a wait time, unless you have a party of eight, and you don't have a space for them, it's very rare that within the next five minutes you're going to have that space available for them. So sooner rather than later, I would like. I want to be in charge. I want to be able to go up to that guest and say, hey, I know we told you 45 minutes. I know you're, you're ready to sit down. I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. I know you just want some food in your system. I'm doing the best that I can to make sure that I find a spot for you. I have an idea of where I want to put you. I'm just waiting on these guests to get up. If they don't get up, I have a backup plan for you. But I want to let you know it's going to be another 10 to 15 minutes. And then at that point, the ball's in my court. Okay, now... I've communicated with the guests. I've let them know that it's going to be a little bit longer, so now there's no shock, right? So then when their quote time does come up, and let's say it's five minutes, I wait 10 minutes. If I know that they're about to get set, I'm communicating. Hey, guys, these guys just got up. Get your party together. We're going to get you guys set. We're going to go bust these tables, push them together, do what we got to do, and we're going to get you guys set. And because of the inconvenience, I'm going to have something waiting for you at your table. Uh, you know, depending on the restaurant, you know, we're Tex-Mex, so we have queso. Um, queso, very inexpensive, something very easy for me to uh, please our guests with. So if it's a very uh, serious circumstance to where I under, I know that these guys are, are, are really upset and that, you know, they're hungry and I should probably get some food in their system before it continues to escalate. Because a lot of the time, sometimes, right, you can go up to them and say, hey, we got your table. 15 minutes over your quote time, you sit them, 
don't bother them again, and don't follow up with the guests once they sit down. And now they're, they're ticked off. They bring their frustrations from the waiting area to the table, and now they're being rude to the, your servers. So now first they're rude to your, to your hostess, now they're rude to your servers, and they're, they're bringing it on, and they're just continuously um, angry. And then in your mind as a manager, especially if you're a young manager, you're thinking, well, damn, these guys were pissed off at the front. They're already sitting down, so maybe they're going to get some food in the system. I'm going to leave them alone, and I'm going to totally ignore them. You know, they, they can't come and get me. And then at the end of the meal, they're going to be the ones that are calling, hey, let me speak to that manager that was up there in the beginning. And then you're like, oh, man, like here we go. Like now we're gonna, they're going to want free food, whatever, whatever. Um, so why would you wait? Be proactive. So instead of waiting till the end of the meal, if you think that they're going to call you ahead, right? Why not be involved every single step of their experience so that they understand that you actually care about them, that um, you really are sorry that they had to wait super long to get sat for whatever reason. Um, it goes a long way. So what I do usually, if it's you know, especially with larger parties who are you know people get antsy, they got kids, they got. Um, you know that they're waiting for certain things, so they, they they want food. So usually I'll leave like a little queso ready for them at the table. Um, if they're not super angry, sometimes I might not give them the queso. Um, but other times they might not even be upset at all, and I'll still leave them the queso just so that they understand that I was aware. You know, maybe I just hit their quote time, and you know I quoted them thirty minutes, and I just got them in there at thirty thirty one minutes, right? I don't have to, you know, they're not upset. They haven't complained to anybody. They haven't complained to me. They're, they, you know, they got sat. They ordered drinks. They ordered an appetizer. They, they are happy. But I still send that queso out, not as a, I'm sorry for your weight, but as a, I appreciate you for being understanding. I appreciate you for being so patient. This is my way to say thank you. Enjoy this queso or enjoy this whatever on me. Uh, so that way, the next time that they come in, and let's say something does go wrong and they see me, they now have faith in me. You know, in that one moment, I've been able to build a relationship with that guest and say, hey, listen, you trusted me the last time and I made it happen for you. I need you to put your trust in me again and let me get this done for you. Let me get you sad as quickly as possible, but I need you to be patient with me. I need you to trust me. I need you to let me handle the situation and find a spot for you, right? Um, I've noticed in, in my short years of management that if you're proactive about it, your guests are going to be a lot less likely to be angry at the end of the meal. Uh, that'll save you, you know, a $6 queso here will save you a $100 meal comp later on at the end of the night, right? So that's just my approach to it. Uh, how do you manage the host stand? You know, I, I completely ignored that. Um, like I said, uh, especially if you have a lot of youngins up there, it's really important that you're being proactive with them, setting goals with them, and setting your expectation with them uh, before, during, and after the shift, being involved so that they can kind of see how you do things, right? How you approach situations because they're quick. You know, these are young, well, at least for us, we got young girls who, who some of them are quick to throw an attitude. You throw an attitude at them, they're going to throw one right back at you. So how do you train uh, and teach a 16 to 17 year old kid to assess the situation and de-escalate it themselves 
you know, because I know when I was 16, 17 years old, I didn't listen to anybody. I had a, I still have attitude sometimes. Uh, I'm very hard headed. Um, so to get through to me, if you know, when I, I was a host for a couple, couple months at Ted's Montana Grill, and there were some people who would get testy with me. And me being this proud 16, 17-year-old guy who's not going to let somebody uh, talk to me that way, uh, sometimes my mouth got me in trouble. And sometimes our host stand you know, will we'll say some things like, like every other host stand that might get them in trouble or that might rub a guest the wrong way. And it's our job. Uh, it's okay to get angry, right? It's okay to get upset and disappointed with our, with our hostess. But uh, you have to look at yourself, I think, as a manager and say, was or were my expectations correctly communicated to these girls? Um, and what could I have done to make sure the situation didn't get that far? Was I not involved enough? And then now my lack of involvement uh, forced a 17-year-old to then take that situation into their own hands and act accordingly, right? Because if that's the case, then it's 100% your fault as a manager, you should have been there to back that person up or you should have been there to help them out. Um, and then a lot of it goes back to training. You know, while you're training your, 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 your host stand, how are you treating them? Uh, the thought process and the training process, at least for me, uh, and I'm a little more patient than most people, especially with um, our buses and hostesses are all like around 18 17, some of them are a little bit like under 21. Um, pretty much 21 to like 17 years old, uh, buses and hostesses, right? So the way you treat them is a lot differently than you treat a 26, 27, 30-year-old staff member, right? You have to, and I think sometimes we forget this as managers, you have to kind of go back into their shoes, how you were, how I was when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, and kind of dumb down to their level and talk to them that way and to coach them that way and to train them that way. Only problem is when you do that, most people don't have the patience for that. So you have to make a decision. Do you want to spend time you know, developing? Because as a manager, especially when you have somebody that young, you're not only managing and training them to be the perfect host, the perfect busser, the perfect whatever uh, in your restaurant, but you're also now responsible for helping to mold and train and mentor a young kid, right? Because all the things that they see you doing as a manager, all the things you teach them as a manager, they're going to replicate because you have also have to remember that you are probably the most successful person that those people know. Unless you're in like, you know, a fine dining, fancy place and these kids have trust fund parents, you are probably the most successful person that those kids know or one of the most successful people that those kids know. So every single thing that you're doing as a manager impacts them whether you want to know it or not, whether you realize it or not. So are you going to be the manager that sets the example for them and that takes the time to mentor them and to train them and to explain to them why they can't go about these situations the way they're going about them? Or are you just going to be the one that says, how could you not know how to do this? How dumb could you be? You know, yada, yada, yada. But then in the back of your head, they're only 17. How, how could they have known? If you didn't say it to them, they're not going to know. When I was that age, if my mom didn't lay it out to me and tell me exactly how she wanted it, I probably wasn't going to do it the way she wanted it. 
um, that was just me. Maybe everybody's different, but you know, you have to kind of think in their mentality. You you can't treat them like a like a twenty seven year old kid, even if they are mature for their age. They're still kids, you know. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, I do want to get into the the whole host and aspect of the things, but I just wanted to keep it short and sweet for now. COVID-19 brought a very unique situation or a unique opportunity for every single restaurant operator, owner, manager, GM, whatever you, whatever you are listening to this. Um, and that's in your culture of your restaurant. Before COVID-19, those restaurants that were having culture issues um, were in kind of a bind. You know, you, you can't just fire somebody because they have a terrible attitude, you know, terrible attitude or, or, you know, maybe you couldn't afford to lose that server, right? Because you needed the staff member, you needed the, the, you couldn't afford the house shifts. So you put up with somebody being late, you put up with somebody having an attitude, you put up with those servers, cooks, bussers, hostesses, anything that would say, um, that weren't that that weren't the team players. You'd put up with those people who who were very selfish in all aspects of of dining experience, right? They only wanted a certain sections. They wanted to be first cut. They only pick up a shift for you if you gave them food. They're only going to do this for you if you give them this day off. Um, we all have those staff members, right? The ones that aren't the best buddies, the ones who, while you're training, you're telling your, your brand new people, oh yeah, we're very team oriented and uh, we're very big on you know buddy work and we're very big on, on, on teamwork and whatnot. But then you always have that one staff member who you look at them and you're like, well, they have five tables, they got this, they never come in the kitchen, they never run food, um, they're always trying to leave early, they come in late. And you have to sit there and say, well, they've been here for, you know, 10 years or they've been serving here for a long time. They're, they're, our, they're our best person. They're, they're this, they're that, they're yada, yada, yada. Um, when in reality, we just didn't have the balls to fire them. Point blank period, right? Um, we didn't have the balls to sit them down and say, look, man, I know you've been here for a long time. I know you're a veteran server or a veteran cook, but this has got to stop. You're not the boss. I'm the manager. I'm the GM. These are my rules, or or you can the doors right there. Don't let it hit you in the ass, right? We're scared to say that. We were scared to say that, right? Um, very uncomfortable thing to do, right? Especially when you have somebody who is a veteran and who does dictate a lot of the things that they do in the restaurant, right? It's very hard to confront them and say, "Look, I'm the boss. These are you know you're going to do things this way." Or unfortunately, we have to see you go because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, damn, this is our best server. This server's got at least 20 regulars. What happens if I fire this person? They find out that I fired them because of their attitude. They're probably never going to come back. But then that's when you got to say, look, man, like, is that one server or cook or hostess or busser or bartender or whatever, even manager, is that one person really worth losing Half the people you bring in that are brand new because they can't stand to work with that person. Simple. So COVID nineteen causes a lot of us to shut down, right? And our and now we're having trouble bringing people back, or some people are having trouble bringing staff members back, which is a great opportunity for us. 
for all restaurants, right? It's a great opportunity in the sense that if those people didn't come back, you just dodged the bullet. You didn't have to fire anybody. You didn't have to have a difficult conversation. They just didn't show up, right? And if those people did show up, you now have a very unique opportunity to change your culture. This is your chance to say, okay, look, what we were doing before the coronavirus wasn't working. The servers ran this restaurant. The cooks dictated their hours. Um, the managers did this. Uh, my host and did that. Now is your chance to put your foot down and really establish the standards that you want to establish. But before you can do that, you as the general manager, you as the owner, you as the operator, you as the manager, really need to dig down and figure out what are my goals for this, this remainder of the year and how do I want the culture within the restaurant to look like. And then no matter even if you get a hundred applicants and you really need those hundred applicants, you need to put your foot down and say, I'm only going to hire these 15 because these 15 fit the criteria that I wanted to meet in order to reach our goals in December, right? You have to put your foot down and not say, okay, look, I, I really need a cook right now. I really need a server right now. So I'm just going to hire the first Joe that walks into the restaurant and wants the job. I'm just going to give it to him. no. You might have to turn down 15, 20, 30 people before you find the right person. But finding that right person is going to benefit you and the culture of your restaurant in the long run versus hiring somebody for a couple of months and then having them leave because now you're trying to change the culture, put your foot down and enforce some rules, right? Then once you get these people in your restaurant and you've got the team that you want, you as the operator, you as the general manager have to make sure that you, the rest of your management team is on board with your program. So do they know every single thing that you want to accomplish? Are they aware of um, your vision? Are they aware of your standards? Are they aware of what is okay and what is not okay? If you say, well, I think they do or well, most of them do, then you got a huge problem. Nothing, you know, it's, it's all going to come crumbling down. Your entire team has to understand, look, these are my do's. These are my don'ts. This is what they can get away with. This is what they're absolutely not going to get away with. Anything that happens in this circumstance, they're talking to me. Anything uh, that happens, you know, if they, if they don't show up, their shirt's not dry clean. They call out for a shift. They're late. Um, they have a guest complaint. They have uh, this many refires. They have this going on. They have to talk to me, right? Does your management team know that this, that, that, that you know, whatever, whatever it is for you as the general manager or, or the owner operator, uh, are they aware of when those situations happen, write-ups are happening, um, coaching is happening, um, corrections are being made? Because if not, then you're going to go right back to the old culture you had before and people are going to be running all over you all over again, right? So I think you have a very unique opportunity uh, to hire a brand new staff to build a program the way you want to build it. Um, let's talk like, let me see. It's an example that I can use. We, uh, my, When our general manager first got to the restaurant, we had a big issue with our culture, right? We didn't have one. We didn't have an identity. We didn't really know 
who our general manager was looking for when somebody came in to apply at our restaurant, what the perfect person for our restaurant was. And now the perfect server, cook, whatever for my restaurant is 100% different than what fits in your restaurant, right? But we didn't know. So when our new GM came in, he sat all of us down and he established, you know, I'm looking for this kind of server. When you're interviewing, I want you to ask questions that are similar to this. I want you to pay attention to how they're talking to you. I want you to pay attention to what they're wearing. I want you to pay attention to, um, you know, just little things that they're doing that, that tell you a deeper story. Don't be scared to ask deeper questions. Um, so that when they sit in front of him for the final interview, you know, he wanted to make sure that their, that all of the people that were put in front of him match a certain criteria. And what does that do for you? It's not being biased or anything like that. But if you're the general manager and you say, these are the kind of people that I want in my restaurant, um, this is the kind of mentality that I want them to have as far as service is concerned. If every single one of your managers is interviewing different people and they're putting up 15 or, you know, let's say you have five managers, each five manager puts up a different candidate in front of you and each candidate has nothing in common with the other, then you know that your vision wasn't appropriately communicated to your team because if it was, you would have five identical or nearly identical staff members in front of you. Now, I'm not asking, now I'm not saying pick a robotic. There's a very, there's a big difference between um, being robots and having like the exact same five people in front of you and having five people that have very similar qualities, similar characteristics, um, similar personality traits, but they're different. They're unique in their own way. But as far as like the general vision and, the, and at least the, the general criteria, they all meet those criteria. Okay, so whether that's I want staff members who, um, let's say you know you're in a sports bar, so you're telling your managers I want people who have played some kind of sport, whether that's in high school, whether that's in college. I want some kind of organized activity to be a criteria for the for for our future staff members i want uh i also want them to have um great customer you know great great selling skills so i want you to challenge them put something in front of them and have them sell it to you right um or like you know for our restaurant we wanted people or we preferred people who didn't have prior restaurant experience why is that People that have prior restaurant experience typically have other habits engraved in their brains from their previous restaurants. So they have, well, whether it's a negative habit or a good habit, it, it's engraved in there. So, you know, even if you do train them, um, a lot of the times you notice that a lot of their old ways from their old restaurants start to come back or they start to compare the way you do things with the way their previous restaurant did. And what we found was we really wanted people who um, had a blank slate, who were willing to absorb every single thing that we threw at them, 
because we understood that if we were going to train somebody our way, we didn't want them to have another way to uh, fall back on. We didn't want them to say, oh, well, at my old restaurant, we carried uh, plates on our hands. Or we didn't have to use cocktail trays. We just put all the glasses in one hand and then carried something else with another hand, right? We wanted um, every single new staff member, at least front of house-wise, to be a complete blank slate. Now, we did accept people who did have prior restaurant experience, right? Because, you know, some people had amazing fine dining experience, you know, and we we could use that extra uh, experience to our advantage, right? But when we're talking the average server, we wanted most of our staff to be a blank slate so we could train them the way we wanted to train them uh, so that they would learn and absorb literally everything that we threw at them, right? And it made them better servers because whether even though the process was a lot slower, right, um, you, you had to teach them how to sell, how to feature, how to run trays, how to um, properly place dishes in front of somebody. Whereas somebody who probably had you know five years, ten years of server experience, they understand these concepts. They understand you know uh, how to consolidate their tasks. They understand okay, before I go into the kitchen, let me make sure that all three of these tables have rewaters. All these guys have you know ketchup, whatever. Before I go in the kitchen, whereas somebody who's never served before um, probably doesn't know to do that. You know until you start training them and whatnot. Uh, so it's a little more frustrating because you're having to work with them a lot more and be a lot more hands-on. But in the long run, it works to your advantage because now that person is a spitting image of your culture. You have been able to embed your culture and your um, way of operating a restaurant into that person so that if they do leave right, and, and they go somewhere else, everything that you taught them, hopefully good, is going to then be translated into their service at whatever restaurant they go to after you. And then you can see that your program that you built is lasting longer than you. So that's a pretty cool thing to do. Um, and you see it a lot of times, at least for our restaurant, you know, servers that leave, uh, they do. They generally do really well when they go outside of you know our, our, our restaurant because we do such a good job in training them. Uh, what about back of house, right? Huge problem. Back of house was, um, you know, not not at our restaurant, but you know, the difficulties arising, and back of house staff kind of dictating what goes on in the restaurant. Right? Hey, my clock out time says ten thirty. I'm out. Right? You only schedule me till ten thirty. I'm gone. I don't care if there's still stuff to do. I'm out. Um, or I don't want to prep this. It's not part of my job to do this. Right? We, we've all heard it. Uh, do you have a culture and are you hiring people that are going to say, oh, no, nah, man, like that's not part of what I'm doing, right? You hired me to do this. I'm going to do this. Or are you hiring that team player, which goes back to the, the guy, you know, asking people if they work playing sports. If people typically, if someone has prior sports experience or some kind of team experience, whether that's um, robotics club, whether that's track and field, whether that's football, if you've got that team environment, you understand that you're bigger than, you know, the team is bigger than yourself, right? So if you hire somebody with that mentality, they're going to realize, look, I understand that 
my odd time says 10 o'clock, but we're getting our butts kicked right now. I'm going to stay and help the team out and help them close. Or um, I know I'm not trained to do this, but I really like to help. How, let me go help you prep this or let me go help you do that. Um, making sure that you're bringing people in that are going to be those yes men, that are going to be those team players uh, is going to greatly benefit you in the long run. Uh, for our restaurant, I think it's a really unique experience for us as well because in all departments, we're getting to rebuild. I have most of my bartenders came back, but I'm constantly looking for the next wave of bartenders, right? Uh, we're looking for a brand new uh, era of to go servers at our restaurant. You know, whereas to go used to be the, the department that nobody wanted to work in because they made the least amount of money, it's now become a, a department where everyone wants to work now. Uh, people are really interested, not just in the money aspect of it, but they understand these guys right here. Like, I think, I think there's probably like 10 to 12 to go servers, like actual dedicated to go servers. Those 12 people are getting to rewrite how to go is done in our restaurant for the next 10 years or the next five years. The, the, the systems that these guys are putting in place right now and the operations that they're doing right now at our restaurant, uh, they're going to get that scene in play for the next five years. They're going to be the ones that are called upon, you know, two years from now when everything reopens, to come and train and to uh, develop future staff members, right? They're the ones that they're going to pull from and say, hey, uh, at your restaurant, you guys have been doing great at to go. Uh, how are you doing it? And then they're going to get to say, well, we're doing it this way. We noticed that even though y'all told us to do it this way, it works best and more efficiently if we do it this way. And then you get to kind of see things completely changing as far as to go is concerned. So that's really cool. But now if you're hiring people who aren't motivated, you're hiring people who um, want to do it their way or the highway, uh, in this COVID-19 world where we're having to do a lot more work staff-wise, uh, manager-wise, management-wise, if they don't fit that program, this program that you've built is going to come crumbling down in the next year. Because eventually when these, you know, the, these kids do leave, because a lot of our staff members are college kids, they won't be there forever. And if they are, they'll probably become managers, right? So when the time comes that these kids leave, is the next... Uh, wave of of servers and to go servers and busters and whatnot are those kids trained enough and are those kids prepared and and embedded in the culture to where they can just pick right back up to where everybody left off and improve and do better i think that's the big opportunity you have here uh where most restaurants had years of people years of experience years of bad culture now you get a whole blank slate to just completely redo it and to build your culture to, a, to, to make it to where it lasts longer than this pandemic. It lasts longer than you, the manager. It lasts longer than the next person that comes through. So that's a really unique opportunity for you all. I wish you all the best luck. Um, for us, uh, I think the, 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 big, the big hurdle for us now is going to be maintaining to go. Because we are operating it at a, at a high level, um, at first it was difficult. You know, I'm not going to say it wasn't, but now it's a lot easier. But the bigger this to-go program gets, right, the more um, detail we're going to have to put in it. 
because what, once COVID's over and we reopened the entire dining floor and we added all of our tables back and we're back to like 30 tables, right? Uh, at our restaurant, typical Saturday night, we're staffing 26 servers. 26 servers if you have to patio up maybe a little bit more, right? If we reopened the dining room floor today, we wouldn't have enough staff members to be able to fully fill the floor, the patio, the bar, and to go. We just wouldn't. So right now, we're having to scramble to hire the right people. Okay, we're not just going to hire anybody, right? Because we still want to be able to have that culture set in place. We're not going to sacrifice our guests. Um, we're not going to hire people just just to put them out there so they can give terrible service, right? We're going to hire the right people. We're going to take it slowly so that when COVID does finish, we're in a position to, to reopen, right? But it, it, it's going to be very interesting when you reopen that dining room floor and we have a full staff of, of servers who, who are trained our way properly. And we have a full-to-go program that's now a veteran-to-go program. These kids... You know, to go is a promoted position. So probably what's going to happen is all these servers that are newer, that are that have been here for a little bit, once it's time to grow the to-go program, they'll just become to-go servers or bartenders for me. And then we'll keep hiring servers, right? So those kids are now going to be in charge of taking the to-go program that was only functioning with a half uh with half the dining room floor and take that same to-go program and mix it with a full dining room floor. That changes everything because now you've got twice the orders coming into the kitchen. Uh, you're having to operate and feed everyone in that dining floor and your guests that are ordering to go still, right? And you're having to walk it out to them and operate efficiently and, and make sure that we don't have any to-go callbacks. So it now is really, 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 really important. I cannot stress it enough to make sure that to-go does not get neglected. This is our opportunity. If we would have had the to-go sales that we had this year and the to-go knowledge this year, last year when we were fully functional, we would have blown it out the roof. And we would have not we would have been prepared and you know, we can't say we would have been able to be prepared for this, but if our to-go system was stronger a year ago, maybe the transition from COVID uh, for, from before COVID to COVID would have been a lot easier, but uh now we're in the opportunity to, we have a unique opportunity to make sure that post-COVID, our to-go program prospers, our to-go program is, is, is the best to-go program, and it's probably the program that other restaurants around the area are going to try to start stealing our people and taking notes as far as how we're doing things because we're operating so efficiently and, and quickly. Um, so I'm really excited for that. But yeah, that that's pretty much all I had to talk about today. Um not much more to say, Georgia. I uh, appreciate everybody listening to us. Uh, do not forget, we have the full video version available on Facebook and uh, YouTube. We have the full audio version available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I'm now on Tuned In, so that's pretty cool. But I thank you guys. Uh, I can't thank you enough for tuning in and supporting and being a part of this journey. Uh, hopefully, my management style suits you or you know you like what you hear and you can apply it to your own restaurant um, if you are using some of the things that i say please reach out to me email me 
uh, DM me. I would love to hear how you guys are operating right now or, or what you guys think. Do not be uh, scared to, to hit me up on, on any social media. But uh, thank you all so much for listening, and you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you.